Hello, everybody, and welcome to the RD3 show with Richard Dryling. My name is Richard Dryling, also the third. And today I have what's called a short uh, in between episode. Now, when I started this podcast, it started with a bunch of episodes that were kind of me talking about the conflict in Ukraine. Now, that's not the goal of the podcast overall. However, it was what made me finally kick this thing off, even though I had been thinking about it for a long time. And the reason why was essentially, I felt that I had a perspective that might be of use to my fellow human beings who were back in the States. So the audience that I, um, well, you know what, I'll just go straight to the introduction. Now, this is going to be a short in-between episode. Uh, I'd like to test everything. This whole podcast is really a test. So let me uh, say a couple things, get it out of the way. And then the topic of today's podcast is going to be 10 sources of culture shock for me once I moved to Estonia. And that might paint a little bit of a picture for those of you who haven't been out here. And hopefully it, it'll be an interesting experience for all of us. Uh, here we go. So my goal in creating this podcast is to create a community of people who want to learn more, do better, and be better. And I think the, the way to do this, the best way to do this is to kind of be vulnerable, be real, and also try to cut through the noise. Because with the way that the internet works and the way that our television works, it seems like the loudest kind of most bombastic, like, sorry, bombastic, just really rough opinions, horrendous TV shows. That's all you kind of get. You know, everyone like Red Wedding at Game of Thrones 24-7. It's ridiculous, and I'm sick of it. So that's what this podcast is about. It's about forming a community of people who will learn more, do better, and be better. And I think the best way to do this is to be vulnerable and cut through the noise of all of the crap that's out there. That's really what I'm looking to do. Now, a couple things. So I'm testing everything. Um, I testing this in between episodes, see if this works. All right. Um, testing to see if people are out there who are willing to go on this journey with me and we'll see. Um, what I will give to you, the listener, and to the community of the RD3 show is that I will do my best to learn better to talk on the mic extemporaneously. Like I'm trying to keep most of this improvised because I feel like there's a element of realism to it that's not there if everything is completely scripted. So I am going to keep it as, as much as possible extemporaneous speech, but I will try to do better to counteract my ADHD. And essentially, I will write bullet points and then kind of go from that. So that's how I do my lectures when I'm teaching. And it's what I'll do on this podcast. Um, I will learn how to edit the show better. And the other thing that I really want to do is like, learn to break things down into their component parts a little bit better so that anybody can understand it. This is something I have to do when I teach uh, e-governance to people. And it's really important 
to be able to do this. Um, it's a skill that I think that I have, but I've found that sometimes I fall into this habit of just kind of using buzzwords of people. And so I will try to get better at that as well. And then, you know, as, uh, most Eastern Europeans say about Americans, like, Oh, Americans, everything's got to be a show. And yes, it does have to be a show. And I'm going to try and make it entertaining and funny. All right. Some of the shit we're talking about isn't funny. Um, I will also do my best to watch my language, but don't hold me to that because I've been working on that for almost 38 years and uh, still not there. Funny thing is you can't blame that one on the Marine Corps. That one you can blame my mom. So uh, the topics that I want to talk to or talk about um, are ranging from but not limited to television shows, movies, video games, books, culture, like, yeah, I guess culture. Uh, but not in the sense of like, oh, he's so cultured, uh, more in the sense of like, wow, isn't Estonia funny or isn't this culture funny? And how, you know, these types of things. So we'll talk about science, organizational structures, economics, leadership. Uh, here's the thing, though. I am going to do my best to stay away from politics because I don't really want to be uh, like Jimmy Dore, Rachel Maddow, Ben Shapiro, Tucker or uh, Tucker Carlson, or as I like to call him, Fucker Carlson. Uh, look, the politics may come through in my worldview, but that's not the point of the, of this podcast. So, uh, yeah, that that's kind of this is just getting it out there. Uh, I plan to have some sort of like snippets and sketches as part of the show, and um. To organize things better, I'm going to try to do the in-between episodes as like a list of things. So it's just easier to go about. So we'll see how it works out. And then um, my goal, like I try to make it my focus in life to hang out with people who are really passionate about something because it just makes stuff interesting. All right. The people I'm going to be bringing you are Normal people, okay? I'm not Tim Ferriss. I'm not going to be able to get James Cameron on the line. Uh, and I, I doubt that this podcast will blow up that big that I could get some of those names. So if you're interested in learning about cool things from people who are passionate about those things uh, and you want to learn more, do better, and be better, you're in the right place. Now, here's the thing. The way that I'm approaching this show is not particularly great for marketing. Like I should be finding a niche or a niche. I don't even know how to say it. Find a niche and then you want to go deep. And then after you've gone deep and people know you, then maybe you can go wide. <laughs> that was a really bad accent right at the end. You heard that? Uh, it got straight to Cockney. Wide. All right. Um, so help me prove the experts wrong. I'll organize each episode to let you know what the heading is what the topic of that episode is and try to spell out if it's an in-between episode or an interview. And, and then eventually I will post stuff on a website somewhere, but that's, I'm trying to raise a kid and also get a PhD. So this is just going to come along gradually. I hope you guys, if you're willing to go on this journey with me, I think I can make it worthwhile for everybody. And the call to action is I think, 
Uh, the best place to do this would be a Facebook community. So find the Facebook community, the RD3 show. Join. Uh, please subscribe. I already have two interviews done. Uh, they're in the process of being edited and approved by those people. Uh, some of the topics that I'm handling on this show require me to go through and essentially make sure that there's no um, information about those people that could potentially easily lead back to them. And so that's what's going on with that process right now. So without further ado, the 10 largest sources of culture shock for me when I moved to Estonia. Okay, the 10 largest sources of culture shock for me when I came to Estonia. Um, number 10, the fact that there is so many people in a city and that city has so little noise. All right. So I live in Tallinn, Estonia or Tallinn, Estonia. It's, um, it's kind of top dead center of the country, which is, it's a pretty small country. There's like 1.2 or 3 million people here. Sometimes the count goes to 1.4. Uh, it's south of Finland, west of Russia. We're on the border. And what is crazy to me is like, I live at probably one of the busiest intersections in Tallinn, probably in Estonia. It's still pretty quiet. Tallinn itself has somewhere around like 450,000 people, which let me read a list of cities that have around that amount. Uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Minneapolis, Minnesota, Oakland, California, Virginia Beach, Miami. Now, that, those are like the 43rd to 47th largest cities in the states, according to like 2017 uh, Wikipedia article. But those cities are so much louder, man. Like out here, it's just so quiet. You have these large like blocks that were built in Soviet times. And there's just so many people in them. And it's, for the most part, really, really quiet. And if you uh, hear someone screaming, it's either an American tourist or someone who's a Russian speaker. Uh, just really interesting to me. Now, to go along with that, uh, I will say, all right, so the number nine thing that was a bit of a culture shock for me was this there's basically one greeting out here. And the one greeting is Terra, T-E-R-E, Terra. And Terra is like a short form of hello. It's like saying hi. But Estonians are very like quiet, mostly, which we talked about in population. But it's so interesting because I remember like being in the States, you see people and you kind of have to like figure out how you're greetings gonna go unless you're in the military then it's like good morning sergeant good morning sir good afternoon sir good evening sir ma'am whatever rank okay that's in the military but you know you're walking down the hallway and you're like hey what's up man you're like oh not much you know and no one really knows what to say or like you're like hey how's it going oh you know and no one really actually wants to know how 
how it's going, but you, you have to like make a decision on what you're going to say to the person as you come across them. Like, Hey, you, you can follow the military uh, thing. Right. But, but here it's just terror, terror. And what comes along with that is like this, like I said, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? The funny thing is, here, the way you say, how's it going, is quidus laheb, right? But if you say quidus laheb, like in Estonian culture, that is something like, how's it going? Like someone who would say it, who was very concerned. And so sometimes if you say quidus laheb, if the person knows you're American, they'll just say, ah, oh, hesti, or like, like normal said, which means like, ah, oh, good or okay. But if they don't know you're American and you just walk up to someone and you say, Tera, Hesti, or sorry, Tera, Quidus Laheb, you might get their whole life story. And that's just funny to me because I did that all the time in the States. Like, hey, how's it going? Well, you know, like my foot hurts today. And no one really wants to hear that shit. So it's just something. It's nice to know, like, the rules <laughs> for that greeting. Uh, and I, I wrote a note down that there's, like, very clear expectations here when it comes to something like an Uber or Bolt, Bolt is the uh, the primary rideshare app here, but like Uber, Lyft, Bolt, there's no Lyft out here. But you get in the car, you say, Tara, and they confirm the address with you, and then they go. And that is the expectation. Like I've had maybe two Bolt drivers out here the whole time who actually wanted to have a conversation. And if you're the rider and you start talking, they might not be comfortable with that. So you got to kind of consider it as well. Um, okay, next. So one thing I was not really sure about when I got out here um, was how like healthcare worked. Um, it's, they have a public, publicly owned, I guess, or, you know, like kind of like Medicare for all, but it's not Medicare for all. It's just like a public option and you have to have a job to buy into it. And, um, if you don't have a job, uh, you can use some private insurance and there's public and private healthcare providers. But the first thing that struck me about the emergency room care, for example, is that you like definitely will get cared for in a faster time frame. Like I went in for an ear infection one time and they knew that the ear, nose and throat specialist wasn't going to be back for two hours. So they were like, hey, man. We'll call you when they get here. So why don't you go home for two hours and then you can just come back. And since everything's really small, it's like less than a mile away where I was living. So they just, I just walked home and then they called me and they're like, Hey, the doctor's going to be back in about 15 minutes. You want to come? And I came and guess what? Uh, it cost me $5 or sorry, five euros, which is like $6. But what's crazy about that is is basically what I've realized since being out here is that no matter how great people have it, they will always bitch. Like Patriots fans, they'll always complain that Tom Brady left. 
but they're not thankful for like the six championships they've gotten. It was six, yeah, six or five. With it doesn't matter, more than zero, more than one, and you know, Vikings fans just wish they could make it to the freaking NFC Championship game again. And here's this dude. He's like, yeah, man, take like an hour and a half to get seen here. And really, like, dude's going to get seen. He's going to get his problem fixed, and it's going to be cheap. Uh, I knew one dude who had cancer, and he did like a two-week stay in the hospital. And when he left, they were like, that's going to be 15 euros. Would you like a payment plan? Where in the States, like, you would get stuck with a surprise medical bill for like 15 or 20 grand and then uh you would have to be on hold for like 15 years to set up a payment plan and they would take both your arms and your legs and yeah so the other thing that i thought was interesting is that they have maternity leave here like real maternity leave so uh you have a baby then you you like this is still under the healthcare. uh you have a baby you have a year and a half of paid maternity leave. This is based on your salary in the year prior. And um, and then you can take up to three, and it's swappable with other parents. And they consider that just kind of like being human and a human right, which I, I think is actually pretty nice. Um, okay, so this one's a little less interesting, uh, but it is neat. Uh, so the breads. Um, breads and grocery stores. So... They have a lot of different types of things out here. Breads, one, uh, they the word that means bread is leib, and it's like moost leib is black bread. They really love their black bread here. Um, but what I've noticed is the majority of their bread does not have additional sugar in it, which in the States, even the ones that don't say they have sugar in it have sugar in it or high fructose corn syrup. So it's really pleasant to be able to buy bread and like not have 18 million calories in it. Uh, this one goes, so there's this thing that they call multi-culti. And it means multicultural. What's interesting about that is that Estonia, because of its location, has been a part of very, like, a bunch of different empires over time. And as of right now, it's a very multicultural area. It's a great place to go. Um, I remember... Like it's a great place to go meet people from other countries who speak other languages. When I was in my master's program, we took a picture of everyone there. I think there were like 30 people in the cohort and we took the pictures. There were like 16 or 20 different countries that were represented. It was very cool. We took everyone stood in kind of a circle and held their passport out. And then we took a picture of it. It was a really neat photo. Very cool. And what's also interesting about that is because like, you know, the master's and PhD program are in English. It's like, there's a lot of people from many different countries. So you end up like a bunch of the classes are focused on intercultural communication, which I thought was interesting. Uh, it's been very enlightening to me how you know people of two different cultures it, like if i were to get into an uber or bolt and i want to talk because it's kind of a dick move if you get in in the states and you don't even acknowledge the driver 
So I think it's cool to talk, but the Estonian person's like, dude, just shut the fuck up. I want to just drive, bro, and make my money. Leave me alone. Um, so knowing like how the different uh, cultures fit together and how to behave, how like not just to treat other people how you would want to be treated, but to treat other people how they want to be treated. It's a really interesting thing. Uh, one of the things that comes with this is that there is uh, multiple languages are common to have people who are bi or even trilingual. So most of the people who are under the age of 25, unless they were raised in a purely Russian speaking home, will speak English, Estonian, and Russian. Estonian first language usually, and then they pick up Russian somehow around because uh, there's a about a I think it's 20 or 25 percent of the population is Russian speaking. Um, and I found that it's really interesting um, because and this is the next thing that I found was a, uh, a little bit of a culture shock. Is along with people not really talking a lot the one Tera, Tera. You have like people on the street sometimes still walk around like it's Soviet times. And I call it like a mean mugging country. Okay. Not that you're going to be mean mugging or not that you're going to be mugged, but that people like stare at you. Like you got something wrong with your face, you know, like, like you're a, like you're a dildo unicorn. Okay. And they just kind of give you this look. And I asked some of my Eastern European friends, I'm like, dude, what is up with this? And they basically said, like, in our countries, if you smile at people, then they think there's something wrong with you mentally. Like you're not mentally there. And I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> and then the other day I was on a walk with my partner walking the kiddo and some dude is walking along and he's got a big old smile on his face. And then it was pretty obvious that he was on drugs or, or, or really, really drunk. So I was like, okay, I get it now. I get it. But I'd like to say that even though there's the number of people on the street here, that's the thing with the size of the city, you really don't see that many people around unless you're going to some sort of like independence day event or that Ukraine uh, protest, you know, or demonstration, I guess it wasn't really a protest. Um, and so what ends up happening is you don't see that many people all the time, but when you do, I've noticed with this mean mugging and it, it's probably, I, it's not exactly the same thing, but they're, they somehow fit together that people look at you like you're going to mug them. Not that they're like mean mugging. So pun intended, but you know, people here actually act like they're on the streets of Oakland even though, you know, the number of folks that are walking around might be like Walnut Creek numbers where you see like five people downtown or something. That's one of the things I noticed is people walk around looking at you like they're going to get like mug you. Um, okay. The Estonian language is, I'll call it tough. 
Okay. So I wasn't really, I didn't know what to expect with Estonian. I thought because they're so close to Russia, the language would be similar to Russian. I had heard that it was of this class of Finno-Ugric languages, which was basically Finnish and Hungarian. And the weird thing about those languages, and now like linguists, because this is how academics work, are actually debating if they belong in the same, if Finnish and Estonian should be in one and Hungarian should be in another. But basically, a lot of the modifications are done by just slamming a bunch of words together. And by these like, in English, we call them suffixes, but it's kind of modifiers at the end of words. And um, I'm going to Google long Estonian word, and I'm going to try to pronounce one. Here we go. This is our game for the day. Strangest words in Estonian. Oh, yeah. Estonian also does this thing where they put multiple um, vowels and sometimes multiple consonants together. So you essentially have to pronounce those long vowels and the long consonants. All right. So there is a word. Oh, this is going to be bad. But it looks like... uh, which means lunar researchers at work on the edge of the ice during the night. Three words. Uh, I'll post a link to the 10 strangest words in Estonian in the show notes, but there you go. So the language is crazy. Um, all right. And we have three more things left. Three more. Uh, what's the... Okay, so the number... Should I, Which one should I do first? Um, all right, so since we're doing culture shock, I will say the number three most interesting piece of culture shock that I had when I moved to Estonia was to find out that these people trust their government. I don't have the actual numbers. I'll do a show in depth about e-governance. I'm just going to talk about this for a second. Uh, But people here actually trust their government. They have this uh, thing called the once only principle where you only have to give your, your data, like your address and these types of things to the government once and then anytime anyone accesses it they have a data exchange layer and there's a log file that's generated so you can actually go on your page i have one too even though i'm not a citizen i'm just on a residence permit that allows you to check who has looked at your data so i went on there one day and i was like what is this you know I don't even remember. It was in Estonian. So it was like five really long words. And I was like, what is this? And basically they have free public transport here and you have this little green card. And every time you hop on the bus, you go, you just put it in front of this RFID reader machine and it goes beep. And then you're fine. Um, And that's for all residents of the city of Tallinn by their population registry address. 
So basically, this little inquiry was being put on my log file on my SDEE account every time I hopped on public transport because they were verifying that I was a resident of Holland, which if you think about it, it's a very efficient way to do something like this. But so there you go. Uh, and I also noticed, okay, so this e-governance stuff really works. It, I mean, it's kind of, it works because people trust in the government. That's why they were allowed to set it up. And then it also kind of reinforces trust is my hypothesis, the way I think about it. Because if you don't have to sit in a DMV for three hours and watch people get punched in the face, then you have a better opinion of your government. Holy shit. Who would have thought? Um, I've also noticed though, that the government is less dickish here. So I did an interview for my research with this guy. His name is Oit, and he is the chief data officer of the country of Estonia. And he was talking about some of the use cases that they have for this artificial intelligence, like things that they're building, right? And it's called Krat AI. Again, we'll have another episode on this topic specifically. But, uh, you know, one of the examples he gives, and I don't know if I mentioned this before, but is basically you had this concept of kind of monitoring how farmers adhere to like EU standards for uh, subsidies. So they need to make sure that they like mow their fields in a certain way, whatever. They found a way to do it with kind of like drones or, or plane flyby and then have an AI image recognition engine look at all of the, all of the pictures and it can tell with like a relatively high percentage of like accuracy without false positives or false negatives or uh, what this, oh, I can't remember the other one right now, but there's, when you, when you look at how an algorithm works, you have to look at the, the false positives, the false negatives, the uh, true positives and true negatives. So it, and that all together equals accuracy either way it's accurate. And what this government does here, which I find interesting, is they send them like a letter that just says, hey, man, uh, according to this, it, it says, you know, that uh, you have not mowed or you're not in kind of accordance with this agreement you signed. Please mow your stuff. And then, or you know, before this deadline or whatever. And then usually the farmer can like write back or will write back and says, Oh yeah, I was about to do that in a week or two. Even if it was just a reminder, like the way the U S government does crap like that is they're like, Hey, uh, you got a student loan forgiven in 2017. And, uh, yeah, we went ahead and we added it to your, uh, your taxes. And it turns out you owe, uh, $2,347. And it has been due since the time that we figured this out. Uh, two years ago, but haven't told you, and it's been collecting interest that whole time. So if you could just go ahead and pay us all that money before we like take your house or your paycheck or your car or your kids, uh, yeah, that would be great. Like, fuck, guys, come on, there's gotta be a better way. Uh, all right, now here we go. Introvert no more. The number two culture shock thing that I've found since I've come to Estonia is this I am not an introvert in this country. Let me say that again. So in the States, when I was working as a sales engineer, I had to go to some of these networking events. And I remember I went to one, it was 
like this security vendor had like they were going to do a launch of a couple products in the like local area. Okay. And so they rented out the computer history museum and I walked upstairs and like, I knew one guy at the place and I knew he was a Philly, like he was a fan of a Philly and they had just won the Super Bowl. So I was like, Hey man, uh, you know, good to see, but he was at a table like with some, I don't know, really like guys who dressed like they looked like they were somebody, whatever, you know? So I like went up and just super uncomfortably like interrupted. And then I decided I had enough of the fucking networking. So I went downstairs and I walked around the computer museum and found out how much of our modern IT infrastructure was actually created so that people could play World of Warcraft. It was amazing. But I walked around the museum instead of going around and trying to meet people because I consider myself like the true measure of an introvert or an extrovert is how you recover and how you, um, yeah, how you recharge, right? How you recharge your battery. And for me, I like my personal time to, to recharge my battery. But, um, the usual, like the non-psychologist definition of extrovert and introvert has to do more with like whether or not you can command a room, whether or not you can talk to people, this kind of stuff. And what I've noticed, like I've always liked talking to people, but I'm not usually, like I just make a lot of social faux pas and awkward ass things, make situations awkward like i did for the phillies fan who was talking to like some higher ups and then has some partner engineer come talk to him uh and what i noticed though in estonia is because everyone else is so introverted they like almost any american that comes out here would be considered an extrovert by that like i said the non myers-briggs definition of the word uh, which I found very interesting. It's weird. It's so crazy to me that you can put yourself in a new situation, a new culture, and it's so drastically different that you then become something you never really thought of yourself as. Um, they, there's this thing out here that they talk about. It's, uh, for Americans specifically, they say we're like peaches and like Estonians and Belarusians. I don't know, Russians. I, I mostly know this from Estonians and Belarusians, but basically they say that they're like a coconut and Americans are like a peach pit because we're like soft on the outside. We smile at people. We're like, hey, man, how's it going? Woo, let's party. Let's go. Let's go get some coffee sometime. And then, you know, the the other the Soviet people in comparison are pretty cold. They're like Tara, Tara, or Privet, Privet. Why are you looking at me funny? Do not smile in my direction. I do not like you, funny man. And with Americans, though, you kind of get to the core, and then everyone has this like walled safe. You know, it's like that. Uh, like that guy from the movie um, Tower Heist, you know, the uh, I think it's Alan Arkin, right? Like we, we all have that vault inside of our heart. And so 
we're really nice to people, but then there's a certain distance that we actually let them get close to us. And then it's like the only people who get past that line are pretty much like your, you know, spouse and kids or something, family. It's kind of weird where in like out here, and I don't know if it's historical reasons or like, I mean, dude, if you don't know who on the street is going to be a KGB agent, you're going to fucking mean mug everybody. That's life. That's just how it is, man. Um, but there, you know, you very much like you, after you crack through this exterior and people are really soft on the inside and they're very cool. So I've been very pleased that the longer I've been out here, the more friends from other cultures I've been able to make and get closer to some of these, like, you know, Estonians and, and people like that. And they're, they're good people. They remind me of folks from the Midwest, which is good because sorry, Californians, but sometimes man, like LA is the only place in the world that you can starve on. Yeses. As somebody said that, I don't know who, but it's true. It's like, yeah, man, let's, let's, let's go get coffee, bro. Like, yeah, totally. We should totally catch up. And then, you know, living in the Bay for like six more years and never run into that dude again. And that's not just me. That's everybody. That's just how it goes. Okay. All right, guys, we got one more. One more left. One more left. One more left. All right. And the number one item of culture shock since I have moved to Estonia is that here McDonald's is eaten by the people who actually have money. Now, passive voice, people who actually have money eat McDonald's in these post-Soviet countries. Um, when the Soviet Union fell apart and Putin was crying at home in his pillow, his crocodile tears, and uh, pondering committing suicide, instead deciding that he was going to one day invade Ukraine, uh, the rest of the Eastern Bloc got Coca-Cola and McDonald's, and they were the first people to move in from the Eastern. Like People like to say that America won the Cold War. America didn't really win the Cold War. American capitalism won the Cold War. So all these brands who already had patented processes, they know, or at least business secrets, they might not have been patented, but they well worked out over a very long period of time in a for-profit venture, right? Like the Kraft or Croft or Kraft Brothers, whatever. They, when they took over McDonald's, they took it from a one-person shack and they basically applied, you know, like a Ford's-style model of, of mass production. And then they had all of that shit nailed down cold and hard by the time the Soviet Union fell. So some, if someone from Russia or like Ukraine... Or one of these countries, you know, Belarus, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, uh, anywhere, even just in the Soviet like sphere of influence, East Germany, Poland, uh, Hungary, I guess, Czechoslovakia at the time, right? If any of these people wanted to try to create something like a fast food chain, they would have to start from scratch and understand how to create the business and all of those business processes. So what happened? Is And, of course, you have this capital, right? McDonald's had a ton of money because that corporate 
like owns every the real estate under every single McDonald's. So each branch of the McDonald's is paying affiliate fees or uh, like they have certain fees for being like a branch and it lets them use the logo of McDonald's, but it'll be a local owner like the logo. They buy their food from McDonald's corporate and then they get the right to use all of the, like the same processes, like this rubber stamp way of doing things. And best of all, they build the building and they pay rent on the real estate to McDonald's. It's actually a real estate company. So when they moved here, there was lines. There were lines just I, there's pictures. You can look it up. Just McDonald's fall of Soviet Union or like McDonald's in 1991, 92. And there's hundreds of people outside. So it brings it to like when I did a little tour in 2019 of Eastern Europe, I went from Estonia to Latvia, Lithuania, Poland, and Ukraine. Uh, in each of the big cities like Riga and Vilnius and uh, Warsaw, Krakow, you know, there's all of these, they call them freedom squares. There's usually, it's a giant square where everyone was like, yay, we're free. And yay. And then within five blocks, I guarantee you, in almost every one of them, and I, I can't think of a single exception, was a McDonald's. How crazy is that? And so, like, Russia right now, because of Putin's stupid war, McDonald's decided to close all, like, suspend operations or permanently suspend operations inside of Russia. And I was looking today, uh, someone showed me it. There's, like, a version of, it's like a Russian version of eBay. And people, before McDonald's was closing, went and bought a bunch of McDonald's and hoarded it and were actually selling this stuff for hundreds of dollars. There was one that was like four or five sandwiches and some fries. Um, they, the big one is the cherry pies because you can freeze them. And th there was one entry in this thing. It was for, I think, 49,000 rubles. And when I looked that up, it was $425 for a couple McDonald's sandwiches. Like, that's not McDonald's selling them. This is this resale market, but it speaks to the demand of what you're talking about. That is insane. And so, you know, like some Russian immigrant lady was saying, like, you know, I don't get it. Like, in the States, it's usually like McDonald's is considered the like cheapest of all of the fast food restaurants. It's where you go when you need a bite and you really can't pay for much. Uh, in Berkeley, when I was out there, the downtown mcdonald's was basically where like the homeless people would go in to warm up at night and they would drink coffee and you know get like just they would buy something and then sit there for a while and then buy something like how college kids use starbucks it was like that but it was for homeless people that's mcdonald's but out here it's the people who have the money almost every night of the week here and i don't know if it's just because i thought about eating mcdonald's after this like news of them closing down operations in Russia happen. But I swear to God, uh, every time I look up like, Oh dude, I really want some McDonald's and look up the food delivery service for McDonald's. They're 
closed for deliveries because they have lines out the gate. Like even in Estonia from probably 5 PM until like 10 PM. So it's crazy. All right, guys, that has been 10 largest, sorry. All right. People, not all right, guys can't say that anymore. All right, people. Uh, that's my, been my 10 largest, uh, sources of culture shock in Estonia. And if you could, it would really help out. Uh, if you like what I'm doing here and you want to come along on this journey, please uh, subscribe. Join the Facebook community. Um, and, yeah, subscribe on whatever you use for podcasts. Um, and help pro- help me prove these experts wrong when it comes to the marketing. Uh, please come join the Facebook community. Give me feedback on these episodes. Do you like the in-between episodes? Do you like these kind of audio blogs? What else would you like to see? How do you listen? Any feedback helps. Let me know what's going on. Uh, if you're like, dude, you're, you're a freaking idiot. Like, I don't even understand why you think the people listen to that. Then tell me that too. That's fine. Come on. Like, I got probably like three listeners right now. And uh, they're my mom on three different devices. So it's all good. Uh, anyway. Thank you very much. This has been the RD3 show with Rich Dryling. And this has been 10 sources of culture shock since I have moved to Estonia. I appreciate you listening if you're still with me. And uh, look forward to the next couple weeks where I will release some episodes with interviews in them. People from Eastern Europe and uh, talking about current events. Thank you very much, and have a great week. Learn more, do better, be better. It's all we can do. We're each doing the best we can with what we got. <laughs>